Hey guys, welcome to The Breakdown. My name is Josh, and I'm here with the B to the Rock to the J to the Anki. How you doing, Brock? I'm doing good, Josh. How are you doing? <laughs> good. Uh, so, Josh, are you feeling a little freedom today? Because it's just it's just me and you. Marion's not here today. No, a little bit more room, a little bit more <laughs> space. But we do we do miss Mary. Totally. Yes. She's in London town. Yeah, living it up. Excited you, to Mary. hear about her trip and have her back for sure. Uh, so what we do is we take a portion of the weekend teaching at Hope Fellowship. We break it down theologically, practically. It's kind of like when you're listening uh, and you hear something that makes you kind of want to hit the pause button and, and hear a little bit more about it, dig into it a little bit more. And that's what we do here at The Breakdown. Uh, so we're currently in week two of a series called Help Is Here. And we're looking at some of the important things Scripture tells us about the Holy Spirit. And this week, Pastor John taught us on spiritual gifts and the power that the Holy Spirit gives Christ's followers to be witnesses for him. Yeah, quality series. And I think sometimes, Josh, that the Holy Spirit is maybe misunderstood. So I have a question maybe for you and I and and the listening Mm -hmm. audience. Mm -hmm. So, and that question is, do you really deep down, like beyond intellectually in the soul, really understand who the Holy Spirit is? Mm. And then if, if we did the implications would be massive mm-hmm. for how that changes our day-to-day living. So that's my question is we'll, we'll try to yeah. ponder that question as we go throughout the time here today. So what we're going to do today is, again, we take a scripture from the message, break down that one scripture. And so today we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And so I'll read it to you. So if you're driving, try not to, uh, you know, fall asleep here to the you know sounds of scripture being read to yeah. you. But if you are laying in bed at night, then... Good night. And Brock and I will not break eye contact <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, during the whole reading. We are going to do that for sure. All right. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 says this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So there's Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So, Josh, do you think we should break it down a little bit? Let's break it down. All right. So let's look at this thing. In verse 1, we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast, but it's on the day of Pentecost. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that's kind of an important day because it was a Jewish festival where Mm -hmm. they were coming to give offerings. They were coming to celebrate. It's like the festival of the harvest. Uh, It was 50 days after Passover week. And so, all these people from all over that region of the world were coming to give an offering and to celebrate and to be thankful for God's provision. But one of the things that's neat about this that I didn't know before we began our study this time is that traditionally this is seen as the day to celebrate when Moses received the law, the Ten Commandments. And mm-hmm. so this is kind of a big deal yeah. throughout Israel's history this day. And so there was Jewish people there from all over the region and they all spoke, you know, various dialects, various languages, and they were there. But there was another group of people that was there. And so Jesus had told his disciples, his followers, to wait there mm-hmm. for something. And so all those people were there. And so if you want to see, there's a list in Acts chapter 1, verses 13 through 15 of the folks that were there. And so some people might say it was just like the disciples, other Folks might say that there was other people there, even up to 120 people. So we don't really know for sure, but there was Jesus' followers mm-hmm. were there yep. in Jerusalem waiting for this promise that Jesus had told them to wait for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it says uh, some of the specifics that are 
neat or they were devoted to reading the scripture. They were devoting to prayer with one another. It's interesting to think that they had taken the time to replace uh, Judas with the new uh, 12th disciple. That's kind of interesting. But yeah. nonetheless, here they are. They're all hanging out. They're hanging out. Yeah. And, and it's so about to go down. It's about to go down. And so they're, as they were waiting, in verse 2, there's, there's some signs if you're a Jewish person in that time and you're reading this or you were at the event, there'd be some signs there would maybe mean a little bit more to them than mm-hmm. to us in modern day. And so we'll talk about those a little bit. Yeah. But one of the things was there was a sound that filled the place where they were staying, like a mighty windstorm. And so oftentimes throughout the Old Testament, the breath of God or the wind of God was proceeding from the Father. It was, it was, it was seen as the Spirit of God moving. Mm-hmm. And so it's a fun Hebrew word. You get to really get glottal on this word. <laughs> so way down in the throat, you have to give it a yeah. kind of a, a sound. So I'm it's excited. ruach. Mm. So it was the Hebrew word for the Spirit. And so the, there was this audible sound that was coming that was in a Jewish person, that would be reminiscent of, oh, God is moving. Here is God's presence is coming. God's doing something special here. So there was a symbolic view to this sound as well. Mm. And so in John chapter 3, verse 8, I know this is John did not write Acts, Luke did, right. to most excellent Theophilus, as we talked about last time. Mm-hmm. But in John 3, 8, it says this, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear that wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. So the Spirit, this wind, it's this presence. It's just the sign of God's presence. You don't know where it's coming from, where it's going, but it's this sign of God being with his people, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool yeah. for what's experiencing here in Acts chapter 2. Yeah, yeah, and not to jump ahead on you, but along with the wind, we see something really cool about to come up in the next verse too, yeah. which is the appearing of these uh, flames of fire yeah. above the disciples' head. And, and together, those... Uh, two happenings uh, are symbols that we see throughout Scripture quite a bit. And so I, I just kind of did a, a quick little search for some of those, but uh, ones that you know our listeners might be familiar with. Genesis 15, um, Abraham, we were talking earlier about Moses uh, and the, the laws on Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I was looking at Pentecost, there's, there's also these uh, kind of a couple other references to this renewal of like the covenant between God and Israel. Yeah. And so when Abraham uh, and, and God have that covenant taking place, you see the the smoking pot and the flaming torch. Yeah. So you have that kind of that idea of wind, smoke, fire there. Another sign that God's presence is there throughout the Old Testament is not only wind, but it's fire. Yeah. 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 And and then you have in Exodus 3, uh, the, the famous Moses and the burning bush. Exodus 13, um, uh, as Israel's navigating through the wilderness, they're being led by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Yep. Um, and, and on and on and on, this idea of like wind or smoke and fire being the symbol of God's presence with his people. Yeah, which is very cool. Do you think this is the phrase where we get the phrase when someone's really doing something well, they're on fire? Mm. Maybe this is that means that God's presence is with them, that's so, <laughs> that they're really doing well. Oh, they're on fire. That means God's really with that person. Is that is that where this comes from? I you have think? a feeling it's rooted in that for okay, sure. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah, probably is. The Alicia Keys song. Yeah, that's, that's probably what it is. That's probably too. where it came from. And it's also interesting in Matthew, uh, as people were being baptized by John, he said, someone's coming after me who not only will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, which is the section we're in here, but with fire. Yeah. And so that, again, meant to people, baptize you in God's presence. And so it's interesting that we talked about when Moses received the law, 
And now here at this moment, God's taking that same event that Israel used to celebrate and saying, now God is coming to fulfill, fulfill the promises of the law in that same event. And so these two signs are coming of, of wind and of fire. So if you're a Jewish person and these symbols are being described and you're hearing, seeing these things, the thought going through your head is what? That God is here. That God's presence is moving. So this is an obvious sign to them from all their history, God is here. Mm-hmm. This is God doing this thing. It's not some weird event. Oh, God's, this is a special, unique event because God is moving. Yeah, and that was something that stood out to me is there's this tornado in this room and nobody's freaking out about it. Yeah, Flames of fire showing up above people's head. Nobody's freaking out about it. Yeah. Uh, we see, we can, and we see these really amazing things continuing to happen and people aren't freaking out about it. There's this sense of like almost calmness, boldness in the fact that they recognize God's presence with them. God is there. Pretty amazing. There's been some times, Josh, throughout my life that people have said, oh, we can see flames of fire above your head. <laughs> and then they would say, oh, wait, <laughs> it's just the reflection off your bald head. <laughs> And so I'm not bitter about that at all. My goodness. No, no. That's there's, hilarious. There's no bitterness. And you, so, your story earlier, or your what you said earlier, <laughs> that's on fire. Silly, it reminded me, I like to grill a lot. Yeah. So you flip on the 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 propane tank, you you spark that fire. And, uh, and nine out of 10 times I sing to myself, this grill is on fire. Yeah, I mean, that's, it gets I think me that's really how, amped that's up. That's how the song goes. So these, <laughs> these disciples were on fire because uh, God's presence was with them. And so... In verse four, then, the last verse of our little section here, uh-huh. it says, now God's presence. So again, these signs were saying that God is coming to be with these people. God has filled you with his presence. So one of the things that's really interesting too here is as they were filled with God's presence, we talked about how Jesus said that you're going to receive the Holy Spirit so you'll have, be empowered to be my witnesses. Yeah. And all of a sudden, these people were now, because all these people from all these different regions that gathered there, they were speaking in languages that proclaimed the praises of God to all these people so they could understand what was going on as they mm-hmm. all gathered there for this festival of the harvest. Yeah. And this happens to be the location of one of my favorite Greek words in here, mm-hmm. uh, which simply is the Greek translation for speaking in other languages. Yeah. And so, Josh, it's a fun word to say. You okay. might even say it with me here. It's it's glossolalia. <laughs> oh, bless you. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I get a tissue. Glossolalia. Glossolalia. Wow, that's and so you'll hear people talk about the glossolalia, and it's the Greek word here. I don't know why that term is stuck around in the church world, and it's probably not in the church world. In the nerdy church world, it's oh, stuck around glossolalia. Sure. Yeah. And so, but then you can also see in Acts, there's other places when the Holy Spirit gets poured out on people that they begin to speak in other languages and proclaim the praises of God. But really what this is is saying here is that a new era had begun. Yeah. That God's presence is now with his people, that God has emboldened these people to speak the praises of Jesus, and they were empowered to proclaim his message. And so... This, this new era of the church begun, this new, the church was born this day as we know it today right. because God's presence was now with his people and God was moving and saying, hey, proclaim my name. And so this is a really historic mm-hmm. event. It's the birth of the church. Yeah, and it, I, if you have not read the first Acts, Acts is an amazing book in the Bible. Uh, certainly the first, to your point, the first few chapters, um, are, it's so neat because you're getting to see really what we know as, uh, as the church um, 
coming into existence, yeah. which is really exciting. So it's also then I, I thought worth taking a little bit of time just to kind of uh, kind of breeze over the rest of the chapter, maybe kind of pull out some, Acts chapter two, Acts chapter yeah. two, pull yeah. out some significant bullet points um, to really round out what we're talking about today. This yeah. as as uh, as witnesses of Christ being empowered by the Spirit to share His message and, and getting to see that play out here. Uh, so we're talking about all these crazy things happening. We're talking about um, glossolalia. Glossolalia is taking, is taking place. place. Yeah. And that's actually what I was going to bring back up uh, because if you just continue to read on in verse seven, now we've now we're kind of, it's like camera two. Now we're kind of seeing the response of the people who are, who are witnessing uh, the, the Christians and the spirit coming down. And something interesting is it says they were amazed and astonished. This is verse seven. Uh, saying, are are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? Uh, which is, it's funny to me. Um, one, because it, they're acknowledging like, how on earth uh, are these people from Galilee uh, speaking all of these different languages that we from all these different nations understand? Yeah. Uh, but it's also, it's funny when you read this, um, they also view the Galileans as almost like these kind of bumpkin yeah. hillbillies, you know, backwards. How could they know all these languages? How could they possibly not only know these languages, but speak them so well? Do you think they might have said, are these Galileans glossolaling? <laughs> Do you think that's a possibility? Five bucks. Five, five bucks. Bu- five okay. denarii. Five, five drachma. Yeah. <laughs> we both made the same silly joke. That's yes. funny. Uh, and so just a little bit of kind of perspective, I guess, on that would be, uh, is Honey Boo Boo still... Uh, like a well-known reality television star. I mean, I think Honey Boo Boo will probably be known for all eternity as a well-known. <laughs> She's infamous. Infamous, yes. So I, I was kind of looking up the hardest languages to learn, and uh, Mandarin comes to the, to the top. And so it would be like dropping Honey Boo Boo in the middle of you know Asia somewhere where they speak Mandarin. For those of you that don't know who Honey Boo Boo is, <laughs> she is a country bumpkin from a TV reality. Yeah, show. she's super, uh, super. Uh, got that draw and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And um, not that we're disparaging any draws. No, not at like all. That. But it's just to think of to think of dropping her in the middle of like Asia and then being able to speak so, with, like Mandarin with such clarity that people know what what she's saying. That's a, that's a miracle. It is. I mean, that's it had to freak people out. It totally is. And so here's here's kind of like my second point to that. Even though that's so amazing, people are still having kind of mixed responses to it. You've got the group of people who are in awe and amazement of this, and you've got the group of people that are mocking them. Yeah. Even though it's such an incredible miracle, there's still the people who are, what are these guys drunk? Like, you know, it's only 9 a.m. And, uh, and so on one hand, you get to see the kind of the way this is really happening, boots on the ground experience and act. But then two is, uh, for us as witnesses, I think that's encouraging to know that um, that because this is so Holy Spirit empowered, that not only are people's responses to His message not necessarily like our responsibility, correct? But it's going to look different, you know, throughout the whole thing. Yeah, it's it, like, it's, like the parable, the, parable of the soils. You don't know how that seed's going to be received, right. and you just your job is to cast the seed. Yeah. So how I just think it's so cool that they included this. Uh, in the story. So then uh, something else that's that's pretty uh, amazing to see happen here is we got Peter, uh, the apostle Peter, who, what what would we say, like uh, maybe 60-ish days ago? Yeah, probably you know, around there. He, he, we see him, um, Jesus has been arrested. Uh, he's kind of out in the courtyard uh, and people are starting to accuse him of being one of Jesus's followers. And he's so terrified of a little servant girl 
that he's denying knowing Jesus. Yeah, I don't know who Jesus is. Yeah. It just, like, because this is 50 days, Pentecost is after uh, Passover events. And so here we are. I mean, like you said, a couple months later. Yeah, not even. Yeah, and here's Peter, the guy that just denied that he knew Jesus. Three times. And, yeah. And Luke, who wrote Acts, the account that Luke wrote of this in his Gospel of Luke, uh, he almost even depicts it as if, like him and Jesus make eye contact when he denies knowing Jesus. And so so this guy who's so afraid of the servant girl denying Jesus, now it says that he he stands up and, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, he tells everybody about Jesus. Uh, he proclaims the gospel to everyone. And he even uh, begins by addressing the mockers. So he's no longer afraid uh, of the mockers, but empowered by the Spirit. He's emboldened. And there's a few people that gave their life to Jesus couple, that day. Yeah, yeah there couple, were a couple of them. A couple, 3,000. Yeah, 3,000 yeah. 3, uh, people. Because uh, they say, well, what do we do with this message? And he says, repent and be baptized. Yeah. He says, turn turn from this way of living. Turn, uh, submit your life to the kingship of Jesus. And they did. And I think that's a point that you brought up yesterday that I hadn't really thought about before. Here was this man that had kind of been at the bottom of Christianity just not too long ago, denying Christ. Mm-hmm. And because of this significant event on Pentecost and the Holy Spirit coming on him, was now emboldened and had the uh, ability to stand up and proclaim the gospel, and all these people were saved. And so, what a just in the few short days, what a redemptive event for yeah. this character yeah. in the history of Christianity. It's pretty cool. It's amazing. It's amazing and super encouraging. And and so I would say that that part of what we're seeing here is if we remember uh, last week we talked about how Jesus told his followers, you're going to be my witnesses. So uh, Luke says this in uh, in his chapter 24 of his gospel. Uh, but now we actually see this happening, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Yep. They're going out proclaiming the message. 3,000 people are saved uh, from different nations who are going to go out and they're going to proclaim that message. And we get to see the Great Commission kind of starting to unfold. So all these people are, how is Honey Boo Boo speaking my language and <laughs> proclaiming the names of Jesus? She was just denying that she even knew Jesus was. If he was mean, going would, on her reality TV that show. Blow your mind? That yeah. would blow your mind. Honey Boo Boo, impeccable Mandarin. It'd be viral. <laughs> That's awesome. I think I do have a little problem, Uh-oh. though, mm-hmm. a conundrum. Oh, okay. It's not yeah. a befuddlement. But it's a it's a conundrum. Yeah. This event seems to be this huge deal that I don't know if we completely understand, as I mentioned before, that there's all these signs there that the Holy Spirit is is coming to us. And I, sometimes I don't think we completely understand who the Holy Spirit is. It's like we have the Holy Spirit over here on the side somewhere. Mm-hmm. But really what we're seeing here is that it's God's presence. So here is God the creator, and he created the world. Israel didn't get it. His presence was located in the temple, God's presence was, and he came in specific times, specific places to people. And so God's presence was locational. And then when Jesus comes along, here's God's presence in Jesus, in this God-man that was walking on this earth. And so then Jesus says, hey, remember at the, the last time we read that Jesus then went up in the clouds. And so all of a sudden, here's God's presence gone from them again. Yeah. But what he promised was, I'm coming back to you in a way that's going to be even better, and I'm going to empower you, guide you, and dwell you, and lead you. And so not only are we just talking about, it's not a side character, the Holy Spirit. This is God. Yeah. These The fire, the wind. It's So it's not like we have a lesser God or, oh, this little helper. God himself. And, and now we used to have this temple, and now as we read in some of Paul's writings, that now you yourself are the temple. So God's presence doesn't dwell in this tabernacle, in Jesus 
God's presence, God, Jesus is in you. You are filled with God. God is with you wherever you go. And so you're empowered yeah. because God himself, the creator, the, resur- the, the one who overcame death, the presence of God is with you at all times and all places and everywhere you go. So yeah. you were always in the presence of Jesus, yeah. which is cool. Always, yeah, always wherever you go. And uh, I, as I was thinking through that, and you brought that up yesterday, I was had been thinking through this idea of how often we uh, speak. And there are some studies out there that that say that on average we speak uh, something like seven hundred times a day. So that's not you know seven hundred words. That's that's seven hundred times a day where we put words and sentences together and actually like speak, yeah. right? And so I, I I was thinking about wow, what if uh, how many opportunities is that to to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to encourage people with his truth, to tell them about his love for them, right? Even half of that would be, you know, 350 times a day. But that's, you know, maybe that's not realistic. Well, what about 10%? What about 70 times a day? And then I just was like, man, even just 1%, seven, seven times of those, if we were like sharing the gospel, if we were encouraging someone with the truth, uh, you know, that's that's pretty significant to think of the amount of opportunities that would kind of build up throughout our week and all the opportunities that we have to do that, right? And, what, what would those be? I mean, and scripture is talks a lot about words. Words are important, and yeah. are we using them to bring life? Mm-hmm. And even if uh, are we encouraging other people? Are we lifting them up? Are we asking questions so they can share what their stories about and, and lifting them up that way? But like thinking about and that and the Holy Spirit, God is with us. Creator is with us, guiding us and help. We're not alone. We're empowered, and so it's just amazing to think how God can use our words, just like He did with Peter, to make a difference in this world. And that's yeah. pretty cool. What a simple, yet so exciting. What a, a way to be a part of the continuation of this story. Yeah. To, to, to be a part of what we got to see these men and women being a part of, empowered by the Spirit, sharing the message of Christ. So whether you're at work or you're at home or the grocery store or your kid's soccer game, or if you're listening right now, wherever it is that you're headed, wherever you're about to be, to to um, to un- to remember that that not only is God with us, but he's empowered us to be able to tell others about him and to get to be a part of his uh, spreading that gospel and expanding his kingdom. And the God who created the world, and it says in Hebrews, he can roll up the universe like a robe. Mm. That God is with you all the time. Yeah. You're never apart from his presence because of the Holy Spirit. And that's that day of Pentecost is when that all happened. It's been that same way ever since that God is always with his people. We are now the temple, every one of us, where God dwells. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I love that. That's really exciting. I hope that's encouraging uh, to you who are listening. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I want to remind you that week three of our series, Help Is Here, is happening this weekend. You can join us in person at one of our campuses or online. We hope that you do. And uh, we look forward to spending some time with you again next week. So until then, have a wonderful day. See you later. Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Breakdown. You know, it's our hope that you've learned something new about God's Word for the sake of knowing God and taking one step in your journey to the center of God's purpose for your life. If you're wanting to keep the discovering going, which we hope you are, you can check out past episodes at hopefellowship.net slash podcasts or by searching The Breakdown on Spotify or any other streaming platform. And don't forget, please leave us a review. We'll see you guys next time for another episode of The Breakdown.